0: Hey, how are you doing today? My name is Steve Polk. I'm executive pastor here at First Baptist Rock Hill. And it's my privilege to welcome you to our online broadcast today. Uh, This morning, Pastor Hogg has a great message for us from the book of Ruth. You know, sometimes, uh, really all the time, life brings us a lot of ups and downs, things that are going great. Sometimes there's hard things we have lost, we have uh, relationship struggles. But we know that life has a lot of ebb and flow to it. So what he's going to talk with us today as we understand the story from the book of Ruth is how to thrive when life is a little bit turbulent, when we're living those ups and downs. So I know that this is something that's going to be meaningful to you. I know my own life, there are things in in, uh, my world with my family where there's some ups and downs going on right now, a lot of good things, um, but turbulence no less. And so I'm looking forward to this message. Uh, I know you are too. So grab your copy of God's word, get a notepad and a pen or a pencil and uh, settle in to grow as you better understand how to thrive in life's ups and downs. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you're with us all the time. You're with us when things are great, we're with us, you're with us when things are hard, uh, but you're consistent. Lord, as we learn from the book of Ruth what it means uh, to thrive, uh, when we're being bantied about by life, whether it's the highs or the lows, we know that you have a plan for us and you give us these stories and these people in the Bible to help understand and shape our own response in our own life around your will. Help us see that clearly today in Jesus name.
1: Amen. All of us learn pretty quickly that you know life has its ups, and it's downs, it's good days, and it's rough days. I remember 1987 was one of those years for Monisa and myself. In the fall of that year, we learned that she was pregnant with our daughter, Jacqueline. It was also when God was calling me to First Baptist Church, Rock Hill. And it's also the time when my father died of cancer. And all three of those events were happening at the same time. So I was experiencing both ups and downs, highs, and lows at the very same moment. Life can be that way. And then you can have seasons where it's all up and seasons where it seems like it's all down. And what I want to talk about that today, but I do not want to talk about how do you survive through the ups and downs of life. Instead, I want to talk about how do we. Thrive through the ups and downs of life. Now, by thriving, I'm not talking about this uh, Pollyanna positive thought thinking, talking to yourself. I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean how you can always be happy and always uh, be up where, where you don't deal with the pain and the consequences of the down times in life. That's, that's not what I mean when I talk about thriving. When I talk about thriving through the ups and downs of life, what I'm, what I'm talking about is no matter what's going on in life, how do you keep moving forward in a good way? How do you continue growing? How do you continue uh, uh, obeying and living in the will of God? How do you keep making progress rather than getting stuck ...or going backward. That's, that's what I mean by thriving. How do we move forward in life with God and His plan for our lives no matter what's happening, whether it's an up season or a down season? And I believe there's a story in the Old Testament that can help us. It has a lot of lessons for us about thriving through the ups and downs of life. It's found in the book of Ruth in your Old Testament. So I encourage you to go ahead and open your Bible right now to the book of Ruth. It's the story of a husband and wife, Elimelech and Naomi, who lived in Bethlehem in Judea. They had two young adult unmarried sons, and uh, a severe famine came, so times were difficult for them economically and otherwise. Life was hard. And they made the decision as a family to leave their home and move to another country, a neighboring country named Moab, and they were there about 10 years. During those 10 years, their two sons married women from Moab, Moabite women. Elimelech died, and so now Naomi is a widow. In time, her two sons die. Not only is she a widow, but she has no children. She's living in this foreign country with her two daughters-in-law, and that was a, a tough time. I mean, life was hard because especially in ancient times in their culture, it was very difficult for a woman to support herself and survive and thrive. They were very, very dependent on men. And the hardship she was experiencing was because of things beyond her control. She didn't control the famine that caused them to move from their home country. She did not cause her husband to die, her two sons to die. Uh, She was not to blame for the culture being such that it made it difficult for women in that era. So here are circumstances that's beyond her control. And a lot of times in life, Things happen that we have little or no control over, and they make life challenging. So Naomi decides to move back home. She's being practical. She's going to move back to Bethlehem, to Judea, where she still has family and friends. And she encourages her daughters-in-law to return to their families and stay there in Moab, Moab, rather. And one of them does, but the second one, named Ruth, does not. And and so the, the book of Ruth is, is, is the story of, of Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, and what happened in their life from this point forward, and uh, I think there's some great encouragement to us. So I want us to look at their journey together and let God teach us about thriving. What are the things that we need to do, the attitudes we need to have, the actions we need to take? When, when life throws us curves, as well as when life is comfortable and good? What are those things that uh, <clears throat> God is looking for in us when he chooses to honor us and bless us through the ups and downs of life? And in this story, I want, I want to share with you four things God is looking for, four actions and, and behaviors and things that we need to have in our lives through the ups as well as the downs if we're going to thrive in life. And so the first one is this, we need to have a good heart, a good heart. Now, everybody thinks they have a good heart, but the truth is not everyone does. The heart is deceitful, the Bible says, because it's been corrupted by sin. But we need a good heart. Ruth, you're going to see, was very kind, very compassionate. Very loving, very generous. And so we pick up the story in chapter one, starting with verse 14. So if you have your Bible, read with me, beginning there. Chapter 1, verse 14. They lifted up their voices. This is the two daughters-in-law, and they wept again. And then Opa, one of the daughters-in-law, kissed her mother-in-law, Naomi, but Ruth clung to her. And then she said, This is this is Ruth speaking to her mother-in-law Naomi. Behold, or rather, uh, Naomi talking to her, uh, to her daughter-in-law, Ruth. She said, Behold, your sister, sister-in-law sister has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Follow her example, Ruth. Go back to your family. And verse 16, But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Verse 17, where you die, I will die, and and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you from me. In other words, Ruth says to her mother-in-law, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you. You're going to be part of my life. We're going to to be family. And then in verse 18, when she saw, Naomi saw that she, Ruth, was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. She stopped trying to convince her to stay with her family in Moab. And in verse 19, they both went until they came to Bethlehem. So Naomi, the mother, and uh, Ruth, the daughter-in-law, moved back to Judea, back uh, to Bethlehem. And it's just a, a beautiful story of of Ruth loving her mother-in-law, being kind and compassionate, staying with her because she knew that that Naomi was desperate, was in a tough spot, and Ruth did not want to leave her alone to deal with all that. But meanwhile, Naomi was bitter and she was angry with God in chapter one at the End of verse 13, she said to her daughters-in-law, For it is harder for me than for you, for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. She was blaming God for the death of her husband, the death of her two sons, and how hard life had become. Dropping down in verse 19 of chapter 1, So they both went, Naomi and Ruth, until they came to Bethlehem. And when they had come to Bethlehem, all all the city was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? They recognized her from 10 years before, and everybody was excited because she had come back. But Naomi, in verse 20, said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Myra, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. And so here's these two women. Naomi is bitterly, God, because of how hard life is. But Ruth, rather than staying in her home country with her birth family, moves to a foreign country to bless and help and love and support her mother-in-law. She she had this innate capacity for compassion and encouragement and and love and and support. And 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 the whole city is uh, is is just noticing this. I've, I've said before that one of the things that attracted me to my wife, when we were young, was her heart. She was, she had such a good heart and so kind, and that's not changed over these uh, 40 years of marriage. She still has a great heart, and and a person's heart is always evident by how they treat people, especially when they're good to people and they don't have to be. When it's just their nature, you see it in their behavior, and and the Bible tells us God is looking for that. God expects that of us when he, when he chooses to honor and bless someone through the ups and downs of life. And you're going to see how he blessed Ruth because of her good heart. God, God tells us in the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tender hearted. Colossians 3.12, Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which defines love. And verse 4 says, love is patient and love is kind. In Galatians 5, where Paul describes the fruit of the Spirit, what the Holy Spirit produces in us as followers of Jesus Christ, he says in verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Now listen to this, kindness and goodness. And so God says, if I'm working in your life, I'm producing a good heart. I'm producing goodness and kindness and patience and gentleness and love and how you treat other people. In the Old Testament book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 23, we are told to watch over, guard, protect our heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life. What's in here eventually comes out, and what comes out will eventually reveal what really is on the inside. So God says pay attention to your heart, and if you want to thrive through the ups and downs of life, things that are beyond your control as well as within your control, you need to have a good heart, and you need God's help to have that. Psalm 51, verse 10, he prayed, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart, because our hearts have been tainted by sin. And if left to ourselves and our human flesh and the impulses of our nature, the heart can be corrupted, and from it will flow bad decisions and and, and mistreatment of others. But when you walk with God and you're allowing him to produce in you the fruit of of the Holy Spirit, he grows in you a kind and good heart. and God blesses those with good hearts. When he sees it, he honors those people. And it makes a difference as we go through life's ups and downs. So the first thing we need and that God is looking for is a good heart. The second one is a good reputation. We need and God is looking for people who have a good reputation reputation now Naomi and her daughter-in-law Ruth have moved back to Judea to Bethlehem and when you get over into uh, chapter chapter 2 Ruth is out in the fields where barley is growing where, where there's grain and she is she is gleaning grain that was a an Old Testament form of welfare if you will when when landowners grew their harvest their grain and they would go into When it was ripe and time to be harvested and they would harvest it, some obviously would fall on the ground. And they were instructed in the Old Testament not to go back through the field a second time, picking up whatever fell on the ground. They were to leave it. They were also not to harvest the corners of their fields. That way, poor people and, uh, and uh, strangers and immigrants and uh, the indigent and all of those, they could come through and they could pick up what had fallen on the ground. They could, they could harvest the grain from the corners of the field. It was a form of welfare, making sure that even the poorest of the poor had something to eat. Well, Ruth is out gleaning. For her and Naomi, grain from which they would prepare their food, their meals. And she's in the field of a man named Boaz who is a wealthy relative of Naomi's deceased husband. And he sees Ruth in his field. He doesn't recognize her. He's never seen her before. And so he asks people, who is that? And they answer him in chapter 2 of Ruth. If you have your Bible, look with me in chapter 2, verse 6. The servant in charge of the reapers replied, She is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. And she spends the rest of the day gleaning from that field. And Boaz looks after her, takes care of her by providing her water and food through the day he instructs his uh, his men his his servants if you will to make sure that she has all the the grain that uh, that she can possibly carry to provide for herself and, and Naomi and and he makes certain that nobody bothers her that he he protects her from anybody with ill intent and so as the day goes on Ruth is curious, why is Boaz being so kind to her? And she asked him, in chapter 2, look with me, starting at verse 10. She fell on her face, sign of respect because he was a wealthy landowner, bowing to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? I'm not a Jew. Verse 11, Boaz replied to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me. See, initially after Naomi's husband died, her sons were taking care of her. But then both of them died. Who was left to take care of this widow? Only these daughters-in-law and one stayed home, but Ruth took care of Naomi. And Boaz says, I have heard what you did. It has been reported to me, people here in Bethlehem are talking about how good your heart is and how compassionate you have been toward your mother-in-law, Naomi. So in verse 11, it has been fully reported to me and how you left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and came to the people that you did not previously know, foreign country, with people you had never met before. And then Boaz says to her in verse 12, may the Lord reward you. He's asking God to bless Ruth. May the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. And so before Boaz ever laid eyes on Ruth, he'd heard about her. He knew her story. She had a good name, she had a good reputation, and uh, because of that, she was blessed. Think about this, her reputation preceded her presence in Boaz Field, and word got around. Her good heart and kind actions to Naomi Were noticed by others, and it gave her favor with other people, and it opened doors for her. You see, people notice. Now, they also notice when you don't have a good heart, they also notice when you don't do what is kind toward other people, and that can lead to closed doors and closed opportunities. There's a reason in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 1 the Bible says a good name, listen, a good name is better than good ointment. The idea is that being the kind of person with a good heart who does good things for people and produces a good reputation, that can do things for you in life through the ups and downs that even the best medicine cannot do. So two things God's looking for, two things we need as we travel through the ups and downs of life. The first one, a good heart. A second thing, a good reputation because we, out of that goodness of our heart, do what is good and kind to other people. Now, here's the third thing God is looking for and we need through life's ups and downs, and it's what I'm calling a good plan of action, a good plan of action. When life is especially down, when life is hard or when you're disappointed or when you're hurt, are you going to do something constructive in that moment, something positive in that moment, or are you going to sit around and mope, sit around and complain, sit around and blame people, sit around and make excuses, or are you going to do something constructive? Now, in the story, as we move forward later in chapter 2 and into chapter 3, it becomes rather obvious that Naomi, the mother-in-law, senses that that her husband's relative, Boaz, is attracted to Ruth. And so Naomi encourages Ruth to continue going to Boaz's fields every day and gleaning. After a few weeks, all the grain has been collected, and now it's time to Thresh to winnow the grain, which is a, a process of separating the, the grain itself from the husk and from the rest of the plant. And so all of Boaz's grain has been gathered in one place, and it will take several days to to thresh the grain and so on. And so he's sleeping there at night to guard it so no one will steal it. While that's going on, Ruth cleans herself up, if you will, and she puts on her best clothing. And one evening after Boaz had gone to sleep, lying there near his grain, she shows up and uh, in her best clothing. She doesn't wake him, but she does something interesting. She she pulls the, the, the blanket, if you will, the, the, the cover off of his feet. Now the reason is so his feet will get cold, and at some point during the night he will wake up. Then she lays down at his feet and goes to sleep. Well, what she had wanted to happen, happens. Sometime during that night, Boaz wakes up, he sees Ruth, and they have a conversation. And part of that conversation is found in chapter 3, verse 9, when uh, in, toward the middle of the verse, uh, after Boaz asks her, who are you? They have this conversation. She says, I am Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. Now you need to understand that every culture in different centuries has customs that are unique to them and that that seem strange to us. Well, in this verse, there are two customs of ancient Israel. One of those is when Ruth says, pull your covering over me, that was her way of asking him to marry her. So here she's taking the initiative to say to Boaz I'm ready to be married and I would like for you to take me as your wife and there was this sim- symbol of of wrapping in a cloth there are other groups around uh, the 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 world who who've had that certain indian tribes had a custom of of a brave when he would choose the 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 woman who he was going to marry by wrapping her in his shawl in his blanket if you will so that's what's going on here ruth is actually proposing to boaz and then uh she says, "You are a close relative, because another custom in ancient Israel was that if a if a man died, his closest relatives, one of them, was to marry her widow so that she would be taken care of and have children by her, so the deceased relative, in one sense would have heirs, would have uh children, even though he was already dead that was that was the custom there and and uh and and she she says you're you're my relative through Naomi and through her husband Elimelech and you can you can you can do that, uh, but uh, uh, there's 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 a problem. The problem is there is another relative closer to Naomi than uh, Boaz, and and in their culture he has the first right of refusal. So Boaz tells tells uh, Ruth, go back home, go to Naomi and just wait and I will take care of this. Well, when Ruth arrives at Naomi's house, Naomi asks her, well, how did it go? Ruth tells her everything and Naomi responds in the last verse of chapter 3, verse 18, wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out for the man, referring to Boaz, will not rest until he has settled it today. And so... Naomi says, Ruth, Boaz is a man of action. Just like you were a woman of action and you went to him and let him know you were interested in marrying him, Boaz also is a man of action. He's not going to sit around and wait. He's going to take care of this today. That is exactly what Boaz did. Look in chapter 4 at verse 1. Now, Boaz went up to the gate the interest to the city, and that's also where business deals were done, court was held. It was kind of like a public square in their, in their time. And, and he sat down there, and behold, the close relative of whom Boaz spoke was passing by. So he, Boaz, said to this other man, to this other relative, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And so Boaz proceeded to describe the situation to this relative who had the first right of refusal and explained to him that that he had the right, if he wanted to, to marry Ruth and that she was willing. But also part of that meant you had to buy Naomi's land because Naomi was wanting to sell it so she would have cash by which to survive. And this other relative, well, he was interested in marrying Ruth, rather, but he was not interested in buying the land. So he said no, gives Boaz his blessing to marry Ruth and buy the land. And in chapter 4, verses 8 and following, Boaz says to all the people there, You've heard him say that he does not want to redeem. That's what it was called, Ruth and Naomi's land, and that he's passed that privilege to me, and so I'm going to marry her, and I'm going to buy the land. Now, what's interesting is Ruth did not sit around feeling sorry for herself. She had a plan, and she acted on it. She did something. Boaz was attracted to Ruth, wanted to marry her, but he did not have the first right of refusal. He did not sit around and mope and feel sorry for himself that he was not first in line. He didn't blame anyone. He didn't blame God. He didn't take a shortcut or do something unethical or underhanded or immoral. He didn't mope around and wait for things to fix themselves. He acted. And listen. Through the ups and downs of life, Ruth and Boaz teach us that sitting around waiting for everything to fix itself doesn't work. God is looking for people who are ready and willing to take action. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verses 3 and 4, he says this, now listen carefully. If the clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth. When it's time to rain, it rains. You can't stop it. And whether a tree falls toward the south or toward the north, wherever the tree falls, there it lies. You have no control of that. It's going to fall, and wherever it falls, it stays. That's just how life is. Then he added in verse 4, he who watches the wind will not sow, will not plant, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap. In other words, if you're constantly waiting for the weather to be perfect, for everything to be right, you'll never do anything anything. Life is going to happen. Life is going to happen. The ups and downs, the good and the bad. Life is going to happen whether you have a plan of action or sit around and mope. It's going to keep on happening with you or without you. But if you're always waiting for things to fix themselves, you're always waiting for that big opportunity to come your way. You're always waiting for the perfect moment. You're going to spend most of your life doing nothing but waiting. How do we thrive through the ups and downs of life? Yes, by having a good plan of action. But it's going to be a good plan of action if it's coming from a good heart, a good heart that treats people right, And because of that, we have the right reputation, people respect us and want to help us, trust us, then our plans of action can succeed. There's one final, one final thing. Number four, God is looking for and we need if we're going to thrive through the ups and downs of life and its good friends. I could have called it godly friends because that's what they really are, good, godly friends. Friends, look in chapter 4, verse 13. So Boaz and Ruth get married, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her. And the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son, a time of great celebration, should have been a great celebration for Naomi as well. Verse 14, and then the women, the women of the city, the women of Bethlehem, said to Naomi, "'Blessed is the Lord who has not left you.'" God has not abandoned you, not left you without a redeemer today. He sent Boaz to marry Ruth to buy your property. Your future is secure. "'And may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age.'" Naomi, God has blessed you. In your golden years, you're going to be well taken care of. For your daughter-in-law, listen, you've been blessed this whole time. Your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, more faithful than many children are to their parents, has given birth to him. Naomi, you are blessed. Remember. Naomi had been bitter toward God because of the down times in her life. And here she has friends who are encouraging her, trying to lift up her spirits. But not in a shallow way. They're showing her, pointing out to her the blessings of God. The good things that have happened to her because of Ruth primarily. Yes, Naomi was very practical but Naomi was not a great woman of faith. She was a woman of bitterness. But through the goodness of Ruth and the goodness of Boaz, Naomi, had been blessed. And these women were trying to encourage her walk with God, her faith in God. And you and I need friends. We need people in our lives who will encourage us spiritually, at times push us spiritually, at times confront, challenge, and even correct us spiritually. We need godly friends who will do those things in our lives. In the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, we read again, two are better better than one. Why? Because they have a good return for their labor. And then he gives an example. If either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. God says if you're going to thrive through the ups and downs of life, you need good friends who will not only be there for you, but will give you godly, godly, biblical encouragement, instruction, blessing, and even correction. Wrong fa- friends can hinder you. R- wrong, wrong friends can, can uh, uh, encourage you to stay bitter To blame God. Wrong friends can encourage you to make bad decisions. But godly friends, godly friends, encourage your faith, your godliness, your goodness, your walk with God. And that is so essential to thriving through the ups and downs of life. So in your life, through the ups and the downs, let me ask you, do you have a really good life? heart that shows itself and how you treat people, shows itself and how you think about and serve and obey God. Do you have a good heart? And because of what flows out of your heart, do you have a good reputation? Not only as being a kind person, but also being a godly person who's doing what is right. Through the ups and downs of life, do you have a plan of action? Do you get busy? Do you do? Or do you sit around and mope, sit around and complain, sit around and blame? And do you have good, godly friends who encourage you to be faithful to Jesus and do what is right? Do you work hard at having those things in your life? Whether we live a few years or many, many years, we're going to have ups and downs. But these four things will enable us to thrive, keep moving forward, and grow through all of it. I hope you have these four things. God bless you. I'll see you next week.